Thanks, Wesley. I appreciate Wesley taking care of leading us today. Chad, last week, as uh, Derek is away from us for a few weeks. Thanks so much for everybody being here. I know that, as uh, Tim mentioned, uh, these are uh, times that require flexibility, and we appreciate uh, your patience, and we appreciate your flexibility. Uh, we enjoyed uh, worship earlier this morning. I uh, had a 9 a.m. service that uh, members of our church family were a part of. There'll be another service at 11 o'clock in our Family Life Center. And of course, we have those who are watching online right now. And we're trying to give different models and different modes of encouragement. And um, I know that there'll be some who'll be a part of our EB at Home groups later on in the day, in the week. And we are very thankful for these different avenues that we have. Grateful for technology where people can stay home right now and be able to, to watch and to be able to worship. And I echo Tim's uh, sentiments that we look forward to uh, a day where again more and more people of our church family more and more people from our community are able to come and be together and be encouraged and offer up praise until then we're flexible and we are patient and uh, we're just excited to be able to to be here and to be surprised by Christmas that's what our our theme is for the month and while I was looking around uh, this week looking at some stuff online I came across something that I thought was pretty interesting uh, you know, every, every Christmas, we always get as a family Christmas cards that you open up and it's like, surprise, it's your picture. You know, you send us pictures of your family because, well, we haven't seen you recently, I guess, right? Or we haven't seen you in your pajamas and you want to show off your new Christmas pajamas for us and so you send pictures. Well, I found something on BuzzFeed that said that there are 26 Christmas things that are normal to Americans but weird to everyone else around the world. Because apparently, we're very unique in America about sending individuals pictures of ourselves at Christmas time. In fact, there were, some, uh, there were some tweets that were sent out where people were asking, do people in America really get dressed up and then take pictures and send those pictures to people? And the answer is, well, duh, yeah. I mean, that's what we do, right? I mean, maybe you've received this picture here before. Right? You've got the family with their pajamas on, and, and you've got the pets, and, and they've got the little antlers, and it's all, it's all cute, and, and it's great. Uh, and, and this is something that's been going on now, you know, for years. If it's not pajamas, then it's sweaters, right? And you guys have probably had your picture made like this. Of course, it's always good if you open your eyes when the picture is going to be made, right? But, but it's, it goes back decades, I mean, there are, there are these sweaters that some people were able to find. Can you believe that there were five sweaters like that that could be found and worn, right? But it's not always just sweaters. Sometimes it's the outfit that mom makes for you. Yeah. Now, that guy was a preacher somewhere, I guarantee it. I mean, look at that. Haven't you seen that preacher before somewhere? I mean, that, that's, man, he's got the preacher look. He's got that preacher look. Everybody's dressed good. Now, uh, maybe it's not the sweater. Maybe it's not the little jumper. Maybe your family has decided to do this. You've actually dressed like presents, right? Take it to the next level. Take it to the next level. That's really good. Now, how many of you, let me just get a show of hands real fast. How many of you have taken pictures of your family before and then sent that picture out at Christmas time? Go ahead, right? All right, many of you have. Some of you are embarrassed to say it now that I'm talking about it. How many of you include your pets? How many of you include your pets in the picture? All right. How many of you include all your pets like this next family? You got the dog? 
you got the parrot, and you got the duck. You can't forget the duck, right? I mean, that's, that's what you need. Uh, but at least I, I, this next picture, I'm thinking about the, the Lees, and those of you that know our, know our great family, the Lees, will understand this. That's a little goat that's sitting there, a little lamb that's sitting in her lap. So we've got the picture, got the sweater, We've got the, uh, the lamb. It's really good. And now this next picture has nothing to do with Christmas, but I found this and I thought, what were these people thinking? You've got the dog. You've got the cat. And now look in the middle. And you've got the ventriloquist dummy that's just sitting there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh, that's just creepy. Get that one, get that one off. Um, don't send. Don't send that one. But man, talk about a surprise if a family gets that for Christmas, right? <laughs> wow. You know, a lot of our Christmas stories end in surprise because it's, that, it's the unexpected gift that's under the tree. It's the family member that, that comes in that we didn't know was going to be able to make it for Christmas. It's that unexpected kiss under the mistletoe. And the, the surprise element, but that surprise element accents our best Christmas narratives. And so we should not be surprised that when we go to the story in Scripture that is the foundation of, of our Christmas celebrations, it shouldn't surprise us that we find the unexpected. Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now last week, if you were with us, you might remember that one of the the main things that we talked about was how that the event that will impact your life the most is the thing that you never see coming. You don't expect it. You can't plan for it. You had no idea it was going to be dropped in your lap. It's that pregnancy that you were not expecting. It's the layoff. It's the divorce. The sickness that just eats away. It's the death in the family. It's this virus I mean, think about the, the impact, again, that, that this virus has had on us here in 2020. It, we've accepted cancellations and lockdowns and, and masks and social distancing. And, and just when you think, think things couldn't get any worse, the, the hot water heater goes out or somebody in your family tests positive and, and you say, well, this can't be happening. But Christmas is a reminder that we need to trust God even when the story of our lives does not make sense. Even when we can't put it all together, even if we can't get all the pieces to fit just right, we read this story and we're reminded that, you know what? There's a trust element that has to be present when it comes to us and our relationship with God. Because so much of our story is going to come down to a very simple question. Do I believe God? Do I believe God? I don't get the job that I applied for. I don't get into the school that I wanted to get into. Do I believe that God can still work good in those situations? Do I believe that God actually knows what's best for me? Do I believe that God actually knows what's best for my marriage, for my finances, for my time? Do I believe that, do I believe that God loves me? Do I believe that I'm valued by God? Or do I just believe what the world says? Do I believe what the culture says? Do I believe my own intuition? Or do I really believe God? And this is the question that Mary had to answer. It was a question that she had to struggle with because the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting it could be. 
And then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, it might surprise you to learn that we really don't know a lot about Mary. In fact, if you compiled all that Scripture has to say about her and put it together, you really wouldn't have enough for a very short biography. We don't know what she did before Jesus was born. We, we don't really know how she raised him. We know nothing about where she died or when. She appears here in the story of Christ's birth, and, and then she makes a few cameo appearances throughout the gospel. She shows up once in the book of Acts, and that's it. And in fact, the times that she is mentioned, those chapters really aren't about her. She's just a member of the supporting cast. She was a poor Galilean girl. She was just a teenager. She had nothing on her resume. There was nothing about her education, no impressive accomplishments, nothing that people would have noticed. She was engaged to be married, not to a man who was going to be great, not to someone who was going to be king, but to someone who was just a simple, hardworking carpenter. And, and, and that carpenter, she and Joseph, well, they were so poor that when Jesus was born and, and they take him to the temple to dedicate him as their Jewish law would require, well, they, they could not afford to buy the lamb for sacrifice. Instead, because of, because of their poor situation, they end up having to buy two birds instead. And I want you to think about the irony. They could not afford a sacrificial lamb for the sacrificial lamb. And so we just don't know a lot about her. And what we do know just really doesn't play very well by today's standards of greatness. And so down through the years, followers of God have tried to help Mary out and tried to, to boost up her profile a little bit. Some have given her the title of mediatrix. And the idea is that she is the mediator between us and, and God. And that we, when we pray to God, we should be praying through Mary. But, but, but that runs head on into a passage of Scripture, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, that says, well, there's one mediator between God and man, and that is, well, that's Christ Jesus. Another title that sometimes has been given to Mary throughout church history is, is that of co-redemptrix. Now, that sounds pretty impressive, right? It's something you'd put on your, your business card. And it's like, well, hello, I'm the co-redemptrix. Um, it's this idea that, that she is a redeemer along with Jesus. That Jesus saves, but Mary is a part of this saving process. Now, now again, that sounds good, but it, it runs head on into another passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. We're told that salvation is found in no one else, and... While this is being discussed, the focus was on Jesus. It says, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. Now, another title that sometimes people refer to Mary by is that of Queen of Heaven. And look, I think it's right for us to honor this incredible lady, but it would be wrong for us to worship her. And it would be wrong for us to give her titles and position that, that is reserved for Jesus alone. And I think when you look at the way that Mary describes herself in Luke chapter 1, you begin to see that it's obvious how Mary wanted to be known. It, it wasn't as a mediatrix or co-redemptrix. It wasn't as the queen of heaven. She refers to herself simply as a humble servant who magnifies the Lord. And so when Gabriel gives Mary the news that she's going to be a mother, her response, it's so simple in verse 38, and yet I just love the response. She says, I am the Lord's servant, and may your word to me be fulfilled. 
I am the Lord's slave is actually a better translation. Mary sees herself as someone who has no rights, no possessions, but who is completely submitted to God. And look, today, as in those days, there's no positive use of the word slave. But Mary identified herself as someone who was totally surrendered, totally dependent. She said, I am the Lord's slave. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now, when you think about it, I think Mary would have had every reason to pat herself on the back. I mean, after all, for all the women in all the world, she was the one who was chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. And, and she could have found pride in that. Or how about the fact that she actually raised the perfect kid, right? And can't we all agree that there are a few things more annoying than a mother who thinks that they have the perfect kid? I mean, you've experienced that at school before, right? You've run into that mother. And if you haven't, well, others have run into you, right? And so Mary could have put a bumper sticker on the back of her donkey that said, my son walks on water, right? She could have had one that said, my son created your honor student. Yeah. Or, or how about, my son is the reason for the season. Yeah. I mean, she could have focused all the attention on herself, but she possessed something that's missing from so many in our culture. Humility. You know, most of us are extremely interested in receiving God's favor in our lives, but we are not necessarily interested in being humbled. There are so many self-help seminars that you can go to and be a part of. Go ahead and Google it. You can find it. I mean, there's all kinds of self-help seminars where you can go and learn how to be successful, learn how to be powerful, but you cannot find one that teaches you how to be more humble. It's just not out there. And besides, who would sign up for that, right? It's like, hey guys, go into the humility seminar this week, right? Or maybe you come back, it's like, what did you do last week? Well, let me tell you. I went, not bragging, to the humility seminar. Yeah, I did. But hey, look, Christmas is a reminder that humility, perhaps more than any other characteristic, opens the door to God's favor in our life. When we humbly hit our knee and say, you know what, God, I just need your help. I've messed up so many things, and I can't fix it on my own. You talk to God about your marriage and how it seems it's breaking apart around you, and you say, God, you're the only one I think that can put it back together. You've blown it with your kids. You say, but God, you're the one who can redeem everything. God, I've made some mistakes in the past, and I know that there are other individuals who have written me off and think that, that nothing good can come of this, but God, I believe that you, that you can put things back together, and you can put me on a road that is straight. Guys, I think that that humble spirit is what God looks for and blesses more than anything else. It opens the door of God's favor to our lives. And over and over again, Scripture tells us that God responds to our humility. Here's just a few. God, you save the humble and you bring low those whose eyes are haughty. God mocks the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is the one I esteem, God says, he who is humble and contrite in heart. Humble yourselves before the Lord and, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. And these are just a few of the passages that you can find throughout Scripture where over and over God says, look, if you will just humble yourself before me and trust me, 
And Mary does trust God. Since she was a little girl, she had no doubt heard about the promise of the Messiah. She was familiar, most likely, with the prophecies of the prophet Isaiah. Now look, we don't know to what level her understanding was, but we do know the depth of her faith and humility. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant, and may your word to me be fulfilled. And I don't know if she understood the full weight of that statement. Maybe like so many other teenagers, she had dreamt about her future. Maybe she had thought about what was going to happen, that, you know, she had this little song, how she was going to marry Joseph, and they were going to sell juniper trees and live in Jerusalem, and they knew that they were going to have a house like this, and they were going to do that, and they were going to go here, and she had it all planned out. But now God's calling throws everything out of whack and leaves it all in doubt, because who knows now what's going to await her. And to bring it home just a little bit, let me say it this way. Who knows what kind of life awaits you? Who knows what awaits you in 2021? Submit your life to God and he may ask you to obey and go even though you do not know where you are going. You see, Christmas is another reminder that God does not hand out maps. Man, you would have loved to have known what was coming in 2020. You would love to know what's going to happen in 2021. Timothy Keller in his book Hidden Christmas speaks to this idea. He writes, anyone who wants to become a Christian must basically do the same thing as Mary and Abraham before her. Becoming a Christian is not like signing up for a gym. It's not a living well program that will help you flourish and realize your potential. Christianity is not another vendor supplying spiritual services that you engage in as long as it meets your needs at a reasonable cost. He writes, the Christian faith is not a negotiation, but it's a surrender. It means to take your hands off your life. It means to say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You continue in Mary's story, and she responds as many of us do at Christmas. She sings. You can read about it there in Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. Just a portion of it is here. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So here you have Mary, who's this humble servant, completely overlooked by everyone else, but she is highly favored by God. And so her song, her song doesn't focus on herself. Her song gives glory to God. She shouts hallelujah. She uses a word that is meant to make or declare great. She says, my soul declares the greatness of God. She says that's what she's about. There are nine times here that she uses the word he. Six times she will use the word his. And the point is, the song is not about her. The song is about God's greatness. The song is about God's glory. The song in her heart is all about praising God because, listen, God was the song of Mary's life. And shouldn't God be the song of your life? You see, Christmas is a reminder to celebrate the greatness of God. Man, do we need this. 
to be reminded that it's not about celebrating ego or power or things that we can accumulate and hold. It's not about what's around our table. It's not about what's under our roof. It's not about my accomplishments or my titles. My soul should proclaim the greatness of God. I should rejoice in God because He is my Savior. Because Christmas is the opportunity for me to see myself in light of what God has done. And so I see my simpleness. And I see my smallness. I see my sinfulness. And I see my salvation through Jesus Christ. You see, Christmas is a reminder that surprise is not about you. It's not. And I know that maybe, I don't know, your mama told you it was, or your, your grandpa said, hey, you know, it's all going to be about, it's not. It's not about you. It's about God and his glory. And it's about what God has done. And it's about what God continues to do. And each and every Christmas reminds us that we do have something to sing about. A joy that is to fill our hearts. That we have a God who is present, who is active, and who is great. And who deserves our worship and our praise. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to close out our time together this morning. And, and we're going to sing, and it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a song that's going to be a prayer for us. But we're going to pray that God will open the eyes of our hearts so that we might be able to see him more clearly. Take the focus off yourself. Take the focus off the problems that you have. Uh, take the focus off the questions that you're struggling with. Uh, take the focus off the concerns that you have right now in your life. Take the focus off what you think should be done right here and right now. And if everybody would listen to you, it would all be better. Take the focus off yourself. Ask God to open the eyes of your heart so that you might see him clearly and so that you might see yourself in light of what God has done. Surprise, it's Christmas. Let's stand together. Let's sing.